money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. So as part of the tip of the week, it's different knowledge to be able to grow your business. And uh, I've got on the screen here, and I know it's in super tiny font, and I'm gonna go ahead and switch uh, screen views right now as we're getting back uh, from the audience scan and just uh, give you some of those different tips that we, uh, we've given. So these are some of the tips we've given over about the last six months. If you guys want to check out our tips of the week, you can check out our YouTube channel uh, where we're sharing different knowledge to be able to make sure you are successful in whatever the market uh, throws at you. So as part of the tip of the week this week, it is some of the best practices when it comes to joint venturing. How many of you guys are considering partnering with a spouse or someone you've known for a long time as in your real estate investing? Okay, one, two, just a few of you, okay. How many of you guys are thinking about partnering with a friend, with a friend? Okay, okay, some of you guys are thinking about partnering. There's no better way to ruin a friendship <laughs> or marriage. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, but I will say, listen, I wanna make sure you don't ruin that friendship and I wanna make sure you guys don't ruin that marriage uh, and I wanna share some of the different tips. So uh, this is part three of the tip of the week. So if you guys missed one and two, you guys can go and check it out on our uh, YouTube channel. I'll do a very quick review of some of those. Uh, the number one thing is to put everything in writing. What does everything include? I've got a whole list of items that people get in arguments over after the deal gets going. I've got a whole list of things that people break up friendships over, multi-year friendships over, uh, that I wanna make sure that you guys get in writing uh, before you go through this process. And if you want the full presentation on it, again, just check out our YouTube uh, video from last week. And I know this sounds super negative and I'm so sorry to put this out there. This is something that I got from my, he's not a divorce attorney, but he is a real estate attorney and he's unscrambled enough eggs that basically what he says is prepare for the divorce and the joint venture agreement. And then uh, one of the things that I, I love to say, and it's from the author uh, and entrepreneur, Darren Hardy, he says, inspect what you expect, inspect what you expe expect. So don't just expect that someone's gonna take care of you because that doesn't always happen. Uh, for part two, uh, these are some of the items from part two, again, for the full presentation. Uh, part two, you can uh, check out our YouTube channel, but extreme visibility and transparency of financials. How can you tell who the contractor is in the room? How can you tell who the, who the real contractor is at the Home Depot? What does this dashboard looks like, look like? It's a sea of receipts, not organized at all, right? Not associated with any project. How many of you guys want that contractor to be running your project, right? You can just do a little snooping, kind of figure out if that's the contractor for you. Uh, need to manage the contract uh, to a financial budget and time budget. Uh, with your partners, and this is where I see people really mess up, they don't have a weekly project update. So what does that look like? So they only, they only uh, talk to you every so often. And when they really fall off the face of the face of the earth is when everything is going right or when something goes wrong. There is some innate thing inside of all of us that when things are going bad, what do we try to do? 
Can they see me now? <laughs> right? So they try to hide from it, and that's actually the exact time that you want to uh, uh, do the most communicating, uh, which is very hard for people to get through. Uh, decide uh, who's in charge. Uh, don't, ah, something I see a lot of investors do is like, well, you started a new job after we started this project, so I was the one who was at the project every day, and I had to take it over, and I had to do this, so now I want to change all the profit splits. How's that conversation going to go? It goes terribly, okay, and that can sometimes hold up your uh, hold up your uh, deal at the end of the day. And then, and my ultimate, my overall advice is, you know, if you are married, yes, uh, partner on the long-term buy and holds. Uh, but if you are not married, I would suggest only partner on the short-term fix and flips. And I'll just give you a very quick example of what that looks like. So. Uh, one of our colleagues um, had a very good and sort of a fast friend, so they became friends very quickly in real estate investing. And they decided they were going to buy this project together, and they got it under contract together. They worked through everything together. It was a perfect partnership. And then they were Airbnb-ing the property, and it was going wonderfully, right? They were creating a lot of income. And then the tax bill came. And what happens when the tax bill comes? Did you, did you have that conversation about how that's going to get paid? Well, yeah, we're going to split it. We're going to split all the costs. So the tax bill comes. We're splitting all the costs. Hey, here's my $5,000 in taxes. You're putting in the rest, right? Oh, gosh, my money's tied up in these three other projects. I'm sorry. Can you spot me on this? Okay. Well, that's not very fair, right? I might want to change the joint venture agreement if that's the case. Okay, well, here's, here's what happens next. The air conditioning system goes out. Okay, well, here's my 4,000 for the air conditioning system and all the new ductwork, interior and exterior unit. Where's yours? Oh, gosh, my money's still tied up in all these other projects. Guys, let me tell you, they were really good friends. Um, went on vacations together, hung out together, work out together, have drinks together, and then their friendship completely ended over this house, okay? And it's just because they didn't have these discussions up front, right? So sometimes they're very uncomfortable discussions, but they are ultimately discussions uh, that need to be had. And then uh, what we're gonna go through today, what I call part three, and I know this is a bit of an eye chart, uh, but uh, this is uh, some of the different ways that a partnership structure might work from a financial standpoint. So who's getting what part percentage of the money, right? So people always say, well, how do I know like how much to give to my partner? How do I know how much to give to the person I'm working with? So uh, what I've done, because I've answered this question a lot for members of the association, and I've broken it down into several different categories, and I know this is a lot to kind of go through, but I'll give you uh, an idea of this. You know, sometimes I'll have a new investor, so we had Chase uh, who came up earlier and was like, I'm new at this, right? So sometimes somebody like Chase will come to me and say, Shanoa, I've got this lead, and I'm like, great. You know, what's the phone number? What's the address? You know, how much do they want? What does it need in repairs? And Chase says to me, well, I don't know the answer to any of those questions, okay? So how much do you think Chase should get? Here's just, here's an address. I don't even know who owns it. I don't know any contact information. I don't know any phone. I don't know anything. What do you give Chase? And that's a scenario, right, that happens quite often. So in that scenario, you know, if it's a, if, and, and, and the way that I break down these lead types is, are they a suspect or are they a prospect, right? 
So in this case, when someone's bringing me this lead, I don't know what it is. So to me, in that case, it's a suspect. I don't know if there's money to be made on it or not. I don't know what the person owes. I don't know what it's worth, and I don't know what it needs to be repaired. To be repaired. So what are the typical profits to investor number one versus investor number two, right? Uh, so if investor number one uh, uh, brings it to the brings it to me to the table and says, you know, I think there might be something here. It's you know typically like here's a vacant house. Like here you go, and it's like a hot potato. Go see what you can do with it, right? That investor might get 10% of that deal, right? Does that sound does that sound right? All they're bringing is like I just have an address. I have nothing else. Um, and and what I would be bringing to the table is all the negotiation. Right, all the tribal knowledge to figure out what it's worth, all the tribal knowledge to figure out what it needs to be repaired, all of the funding for it, all of the contractors for it, um, and just getting it all the way and nursing it all the way to the closing table. Now, um, if I'm able to get a price, and that's a uh, first column right there, typical profit to investor uh, number one, if I'm able to get a price that is a what I would call an investor deal, a 70% of ARV minus repairs deal, then in that case, Chase, I'm going to give you 10% just for you know bird dogging this lead. In this case, you're basically a bird dog for it. Uh, but if I can only get it at a buy and hold price, which means it's not a 70% of ARV minus repairs deal, and that's the typical price that we pay as real estate investors when we're uh, doing these deals. In that case, I might, only, I might only say, hey, there's only a couple thousand dollars here. I wish I could pay more, but they owe more than I can, I'm able to pay, right? And, I, and I'm, you know, this is the situation. Uh, sometimes people will bring me a contacted lead, but it's a raw lead. Uh, and sometimes these are complex situations with heirs, with extra liens, uh, more uh, time consuming on the end buyer's part, right? So because it's contacted, because they actually brought, like I've talked to them, you get a little bit extra money for that. You might get 20% if I'm able, of the purchase price, if I'm able to get it at a buy, fix, and flip price. Um, if you bring it contacted and it's motivated, uh, but a renegotiation is needed because because you don't have the tribal knowledge for that, uh, then in that case, that looks like a 30% uh, of, uh, of the profits on that deal. And let's say you bring a signed contract, but it's at the wrong price, uh, but again, we can get it to the right price, then you're looking at 40%. If you bring a signed contract and it's at the right price, you need the funding, you need the tribal knowledge to be able to get it closed, let's say before it goes to auction, uh, you need someone to do the rehab, and you need someone to fund the rehab, not just the purchase, but also the rehab, but you've got it at, a, at that good price. At that point, I'm paying about 50% uh, in profit to the other person. Um, now, uh, sometimes when you have these deals, uh, there was not plan A, really wanted to keep it as a buy, fix, and flip, or really wanted to keep it as a rental property as an example, but because of the price that we have it at, maybe the best option for it is just to wholesale it, right? So I've put together different strategies and pricing for that as well. I've got several other scenarios uh, listed here uh, to uh, for different ways to be able to make money off of it, uh, but some of the things that I want you guys to take away when you're looking at these different scenarios, and again, I know this is an eye chart, but just to start off with that every situation is negotiable. Like for us, even though I've put together these different percentages, uh, for me, typically I'll pay 50% and I don't care what you're bringing to the table. In fact, I'm paying 50% even if you're just saying, hey, this is this, go, go, go try and figure it out. And if I'm able to figure it out, 
I'm happy to pay you half because otherwise, if I, you didn't bring me that opportunity, I wouldn't be able to make money off of it myself, right? But other people are like, but this is the percentage that they should get because this is the percentage that they do. For me, I'm a little bit more long-term greedy from the standpoint of, no, I want Chase as an example to bring me back all of his deals. I don't want Chase to say, well, you only pay me 10% and you know, I know I get it because of the situation that it was, but now I want to go and do deals with somebody else who's going to pay me more. No, I want to be that person who's going to pay more. When I go into a partnership with someone, the way that I go in and you know, like I'll tell my contractors like, do you have kids? Yeah, you know, I've got three kids. I want to put them through school. Like I want to put your kids through college. Like that's what kind of relationship that I want to have. You got, a, you got a truck? Yeah, I got an old Ford F-150. I want to get you a new Ford F-150, right? And then I want to get you an F-250, right? That's the relation. I want, to, I want the people around me to also be able to make money because it takes a lot to build a relationship with someone, right? And you want that relationship to feed you over a lifetime. So for me, I'm typically splitting 50%, but other people are like, well, you did this and I did this and then and I calculated all this out and then this is what it looks like. That's what the other page is. Uh, but how you do business ultimately is, is up to you. I wanna just give you some different guidelines. But the uh, top thing on here, everything is negotiable. Um, I just gave some typical scenarios. Uh, put every single deal in writing, people forget. And, and sometimes it's this unconscious thing. Uh, it's not that they're trying to you know, cheat you. It's not that they're trying to lie. It's just, and sometimes situations change, right? So the more you have in writing, uh, the better it will be able uh, for all of you guys. Uh, the profit to investor number one, the person who brings the lead. And this is where I get, this is uh, where a lot of investors who are like, I need the money right now. If you need the money right now, that's called a wholesale. If you can wait until it sells at the end, that's called a partnership, right? Because now we're, we're uh, only profiting right when we both get to the end. So that's a big difference as well. Um, uh, the decision to wholesale or partner should be made up front, but sometimes we get to, you know, the closing, we, we're making all this project, we get to the title office and the title office says, oh, I found an extra lien, right? Or you get some additional repair estimates and they're like, oh, well, it looks like I found uh, a couple extra uh, 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 repairs that need to be put on there. So sometimes those uh, wholesale uh, issues might be decided later, but this is where I see a lot of people who are like, you know, like a, you know, Chase, just going back to our conversation earlier, where Chase is like, well, Shanoa, I brought you the deal because I thought we were gonna partner on it. And now you're just saying we should wholesale on it. If I would have known you were just gonna wholesale it, then I would have done it myself. And I wouldn't have brought you into it. Well, sometimes, well, now I'm in it, right? So now we have to sometimes have to refigure those situations. Uh, let's see, typical wholesale uh, fees, uh, typically anywhere from uh, 1,000, 5,000, 20,000, depending on the situation. Um, again, I said get everything in writing. The percentage that investor one will make should be known prior to the purchase date. I have seen a lot of investors and even some investors that I know and love and trust who have brought on, for example, bird dogs and have told some of those bird dogs, like, we'll part I'll partner with you on this, but I don't know how much I'm gonna pay you and I'm not gonna be able to figure that out until the end. How does that sound? That sounds uncomfortable, right? That sounds like you're just kind of hanging out, flapping in the wind. You don't know if you're gonna get anything. So, so, so figure out what, you know, it doesn't have to be a dollar amount, but it can at least be a percentage that you guys can agree on. Uh, 
comments that I want to make sure that we get out here too. Um, yeah, the profit will depend on whether or not the ARV is correct, uh, if the repair estimate was correct, if the repair timeline is correct, and also if there is a cost of capital. So the person you're partnering with, you typically want to make sure that they are bringing in the capital to the deal. That's typically one of the big things that new investors with not a lot of money need to make sure is being brought to the table there. Uh, let's see here. If splitting profit at the end, it's important to disclose the cost of capital. I've seen a lot of investors surprise the other investor saying, well, it looks like, you know, after all the expenses, you know, there's 60,000 in profit here. And then the first investor says, well, well, I got to take out the amount that I got to pay the lender. Well, why didn't you tell me up front that there was going to be a lender on it, right? I may have picked a different partner who maybe was bringing their own funds as an example. Uh, most investors uh, will charge a cost of capital, uh, so that they'll tell you need to say that up front. Somewhere between eight to twelve percent interest, and somewhere between zero and two points on the total uh, amount that's purchased. Uh, each project will—it's not—it's not might, but it is—will have its challenges. Uh, each partner will likely go above and beyond their original expected effort, role, and roles will change. Uh, how many of you guys in here have been have been married, right? you know how much do you have to put in like you know first like when i was talking to my husband's uh mom i'm like well i'm 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 in for my 50 percent and phil's like i'm in for my 50 percent and phil's mom was like oh no you guys are both wrong and i'm like but that's the math you know <laughs> and they're like it's basically a hundred percent all the time right it, oh but it's only important if you want to make the marriage work right so sometimes do we have to go above and beyond on these projects as well and uh that is uh that is the that is the truth there as well uh so again uh the roles will change um, uh, that's not an assumption, it's guaranteed. Uh, regardless of the changes in roles, duties, extra efforts, profits should not be unilaterally changed at the end of the project. This is where you break up friendships, right? Long, good friendships if you're trying to make changes right at the end. Um, if it's, uh, let's see, uh, okay, I want to make sure I get that. Um, if it's realized and discussed early in the prop in the project. So let's say, um, Chase, you and I are partnering, right? Um, you know, I tell you, listen, I have all the time in the world. I'm going to, I'm going to do the entire renovation. I'm going to be the one watching the contractor. And then I start a job, right? And I'm like, Chase, hey man, I need you to, I need you to, or you just take it upon yourself. Like, Shanoa hasn't been showing up, so I better, I better go and take over, right? At that moment, when you see that happening, for all of you guys, right? You, you know, it's an uncomfortable situation, but I'd rather it be uncomfortable and get addressed at the beginning than it try and get addressed at the end. And that's where most people wait until the end. So go ahead and say, hey, it looks like, it seems like you're not able to show up as much as, as you thought you were. So should we have a discussion now about profit splits or, or roles, right? Um, and, and I think that's an important conversation to have. Uh, a couple other things on here. Um, yeah, oh my gosh, I've seen, I've seen partnerships that have gone wrong where one partner is very upset and then um, doesn't feel like you know, they've, they've been uh, treated fairly and they will try to hold up the closing. Oh, this is ugly, why? Why is this really ugly? It's unprofessional, but why is this really ugly? Could lose the deal, what's worse than that? 
you have a buyer that has been living in their U-Haul truck for the last 24 hours to wait for this thing to close. You have a buyer's realtor who is also waiting to get paid. You have a seller's agent who says, you guys need to clean this up because we gotta close because I don't wanna get sued and we're all about to get sued. Please don't have this conversation at the end. But if you do, how do you, ha how do you have it? It's to go ahead and go to the closing, sign all the documents, and have the title company hold it in escrow until you guys figure out how you want to split that money up. But if you also, if you end up holding up the buyer, you're going to get in a lot of other trouble that is gonna make life even worse, uh, believe me. Um, uh, if there's a disagreement, uh, the partner should not hold it up. Um, wholesaling the property may not have been initially envisioned, but may be the best alternative. Investors should discuss this option and profit splits in advance. Uh, wrap situations when you're wrapping a mortgage uh, can be unique and investors must decide in advance how in-buyer down payments, monthly cash flow, and back-end money are split because uh, this is a longer-term relationship when you're basically providing owner financing. And make sure you know what the second investor that you're uh, partnering with is bringing to the table. They better bring a lot to the table. What does that mean? Tribal knowledge, closing skills, renegotiating skills, uh, a track record, experience, money, contractors, uh, title companies, uh, people to solve problems. These are the closers. These are the cleaners. These are the finishers, right? These are everything that you need to do to get to the finish line. Uh, and then, of course, communication is the most important thing, especially when something goes wrong. And that's when you actually increase, not decrease the discussion. So uh, having been on uh, having been on the um, uh, unscrambling end of a lot of eggs as uh, the founder of Texas Rias, um, I'd love to help you guys um, you know, design your egg before you crack it and scramble it up in the pan because it can get really messy at the end. Um, in fact, I'm trying to help two investors right now uh, work through a situation and they've been partners for about seven years and now they're breaking up their partnerships because uh, multiple of these different uh, things that I've listed here have been violated. So I want to make sure that that doesn't happen to any of you guys. And providing this kind of knowledge, and I know this is not, um, I'll just tell you guys that the motivational part of this presentation is now over. <laughs> we are not the raw, raw people, guys, uh, but we are, this is what we've seen, this is what happens for real in real estate. Um, and this is the value, even though it sometimes doesn't feel very motivational, uh, that we bring to the table. So I'd, I'd much rather, again, help you design a business uh, and a partnership that you love up front than try and unscramble something at the end. Uh, so this just comes from my personal experience of seeing partners uh, both uh, stay together and break up over almost two decades of, of investing in real estate. Now, I want all of you guys to stay together. The best way is to really communicate really well. Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at texasstarterkit.com.